Man, that's quiet tonight. Amen. Um, I've got a microphone, so you're going to have to do better than that. Amen. Um, Man, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to be here. Anybody else with me? Isn't it amazing just to be in this place tonight and, and gather in the middle of our city under one name, under one banner. There's not a church name we're lifting up today. There's not a band name we're lifting up today. There's not my name, whoever cares who I am, we're lifting up today. We come around one name and that's the name of Jesus and he's the only reason that we're here. And I'm so thankful for that, that he's made a way for three years now, we could be in this place in the middle of our city, just singing these songs and saying these words, man, the gospel is alive tonight. Okay, um, I believe it. The gospel is alive tonight and it's well. So I believe tonight that our God is still the God who loves people and our God is still the God who saves. And tonight we're going to talk about that in Luke chapter 23. I don't know if you can see your Bible, but I can see mine. I have a light. So if you can't, you'll just have to hang on with me for a few moments. I think it'll be on the screen. And if you can, um, awesome. What kind of eyesight do you have? But um, Man, before we continue tonight, I just want to ask you to do something a little maybe crazy for you. Uh, We pray a lot around here because there's not anything I can do, and I realize that. I'm a man. um, I live with me every day. There's nothing special about me. I'm just like you, except God's allowed me to stand here tonight and, and you to be there. And maybe next time the tables will even be turned on that. But, but man, the truth of it is tonight, we cannot do one thing without the one named Jesus. So I want you tonight to pray for me that as we read his word, God would just say whatever it is he wants to say. And then... Um, that we would just watch him move. So you pray for me, I'm gonna pray for me and for you and, and let's just see what God's gonna do tonight. Father, we love you and we believe you. God, we know tonight that it's just another Friday night, but it's a Friday night that we've come uh, into this place in, in a different way to celebrate you. And God, tonight as we come into these moments, um, we know that a lot of things could happen, but what we really wanna see happen is you to do something that's unexplainable. God, that you would do a thing that we can't take credit for, that you would do something that no man or person can say they put on some event and, and this thing happened, that it would just be obviously a movement of God. So God, tonight as we open your word, I don't, pray for like the best speech ever and the, and the right words and that I would impress people with what I'm gonna say because all that at the end of the day is empty and it brings no life. But that tonight you, God, would just move in, in a powerful representation of the Holy Spirit or you would see your son. Or God, you would point us to something greater than, than ourselves. And we would find it and like that man who found treasure in a field, we would go sell everything that we have just to have this. So tonight, God, we love you and we thank you and we know, God, that you're gonna do something off the charts. So God, we put our trust in you. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to know. We love you and we thank you. 
It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, hello. Um, it's amazing. It's dark. I, there could be like seven of you there, and I don't know. So I'm just going to pretend uh, like there's a bunch of you. And tonight we're going to open our word together, and we're going to be in Luke 23. I love uh, coming into these moments. This is the third year we've done this now, and we come around one thing, and that's the cross. So if you're here tonight and you didn't know we were going to talk about the cross, then newsflash, we're going to talk about the cross there's a lot of amazing things that have happened to Jesus in the last 24 hours of his life, and that's the thing that sets the stage for what's about to happen in Luke 23. So in Jesus' life, last 24 hours, we've seen a lot of amazing things. One of those is that he sat down to what we know as the Last Supper. They didn't know it was the Last Supper other than Jesus, but they sat down for the Last Supper. And Jesus, in these moments, washed his disciples' feet. And that sounds crazy. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to be murdered on a cross. And he, he still takes a moment just to love these men that God has given him by, by washing their feet, by serving them just in another way. They're about to go through the craziest hours of their life. They're going to watch their best friend be killed, crucified, murdered, on a, on, and hang on a tree. And they're going to be thinking all kinds of things. There's going to be all kinds of doubt and fear in these moments. And Jesus, to get them through those, just does this other act of service. At the table, he eats a meal like they would normally do around this time. It's the Passover, but he says some weird things. He picks up a cup and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. It's not on the script of Passover, by the way. And then he takes the bread and he starts to tear at the bread to separate the bread. And he, and he looks at these disciples and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Nobody at the table picked up on the fact that Jesus was talking about crucifixion. Jesus was about to die. He was about to be killed. And the other 12 guys at the table didn't know it, but Jesus knew it very intimately. So as he's ripping this bread apart, he's letting them know, I know what's about to happen to me. It's a mystery to you in these moments, but I'm about to die for you. At the table, he predicts Judas's betrayal that his friend Judas who'd been with him for years a follower everybody thought he was okay he was like the other guys was going to actually betray him because he wasn't the he wasn't the messiah that Judas was looking for he predicted that Peter was going to deny him Peter said no I'd never do that lord he says ah oh, yeah you're you're going to do it but when you get done with all that I want you to come back and I want you to do a work I want you to strengthen and build your brothers after dinner, they leave and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. They go to this place they'd been every night that week to the exact same campsite they'd been staying at for these four days now, an easy place for Judas to find him. And Jesus kneels down and he begins to pray. In such agony, actually, the Bible says that he started to sweat great drops of blood because he knew I'm about to be murdered. I'm about to die. So he goes and he Praise in the garden, and after that, Judas comes with guards, and he betrays him with a kiss. Jesus is arrested, and that kind of kicks off a night that while everybody else was sleeping, Jesus was being tried over and over and over and over again, and eventually he's tried by a man named Pilate, this Roman prefect, kind of a governor, who says, this man is an innocent man. He's declared innocent in these moments. But it didn't keep the people from wanting Jesus to be killed. An innocent man dying 
It's kind of crazy in itself, but he actually trades places in those moments with the guilty man, a man that is actually guilty of the very thing Jesus has been accused of, and he swaps places with Barabbas, and he actually ends up dying Barabbas' death on Barabbas' cross. This very real picture of what God was about to do for the whole world. And that's where we enter the story of Luke. 2332 or the gospel from the point of view of Luke. It says in 32, there were two others that were going to be crucified with Jesus, and Luke in his editorial notes lets us know that these men were criminals. We don't get a long history of what they're accused of. We don't really know the, the details of why they were there, but Matthew lets us know that these men were actually thieves. Thieves is a obvious word, right? But this word can also mean that they are rebels or insurrectionists, which is what Barabbas was accused of. These men were probably being crucified for starting a rebellion, a failed rebellion, and they were probably men that were going to be crucified with Barabbas for doing the same crime as Barabbas had done. But when Jesus goes to be crucified, there were two others there. They were criminals. And it says they were also led away to be executed or murdered, killed with him. In 33, when they arrived at the place called the Skull, some of you maybe know it as Golgotha or Calvary, but a place outside of town, outside of the gates, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Now, this is kind of the whole picture of this that we get in verse 33, and it makes it seem really toned down. This is the kind of abbreviated version of what happened. But in these moments, Jesus wasn't just crucified, Jesus was about to be murdered. These men, these guards, these Roman soldiers were about to take nails and they were gonna pierce the body of Jesus and they were gonna lean his cross up and he was gonna hang on this cross until he died. They were gonna let gravity do all the work for him. Now that seems maybe like a strange thing because we don't do that, but, but the Romans have done this at this point in time probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times. Jesus was not the only man that was ever gonna be crucified or had ever been crucified. The Persians invented crucifixion and the Romans perfected crucifixion. And the goal of crucifixion was to drag out death until we have exhausted every single ounce of pain we can get from a person. And when they finally don't have enough strength and energy to push their body up from the cross to take a breath of air, that person will suffocate on their own blood. And that's what was going to happen to Jesus. They crucified him there. Not only Jesus, but these two criminals one on the right and one on the left. And it says in 34, as they lifted Jesus up, he did, he did this weird thing that probably they'd never heard from the cross before. He uttered these words, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Can you imagine as these soldiers are standing there, they've crucified people before, probably a lot of people, but I guarantee you these are words they've never heard from the cross before. They lean this guy up, and as he's suffocating there, hanging there, beaten beyond the point of recognition, he has a crown of thorns. These men have knit and shoved on his head. This man looks down from the cross, 
And he says over these people, over his executioners, but not only them, over the people who just hours ago had been shouting, crucify him, crucify him, over the religious leaders who had rejected Jesus. Jesus looks over all these people and he prays this prayer to God over everyone standing there. And by the way, everyone who would ever stand anywhere. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know me. They don't get it. They don't understand. They don't see me yet. So forgive them. Powerful words from the cross. And you would think as, as they heard this, maybe there would be some kind of remorse or some kind of regret. But as we see, there, there was none of that. It says, Right after that, they divided his clothes and cast lots. As Jesus was speaking these words from the cross, the soldiers were playing a game. There's a man, three men actually, bleeding behind them. And they're playing a game for their clothes. This is the people they stood watching, these, these people stood as Jesus said this and, and they're watching this go down. People that hours ago were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, have now come to see the spectacle. What's, what's gonna happen? It's entertainment, it's TV for them. His words don't affect them. It even says, and their leaders kept scoffing. This word means making fun of. They were poking fun at Jesus. These, these people who are the religious leaders, the people who should know the Bible better than anybody else, the people who have the prophecy of the Messiah and should be looking for this Messiah, they, 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 they rejected this Messiah. And they're scoffing or making fun of Jesus and they're saying these things. He saved others, let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one, they're saying things like some Messiah. This is, this is supposed to be the chosen one. This is the one who's supposed to save you. He can't even save himself. How is he gonna save you? The leaders are rejecting Jesus. Jesus is praying forgiveness and they're still back in his face. What a useless Messiah. It says in 36, even the soldiers got in on the game. The soldiers also mocked him and they came to him and they offered him sour wine. And they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, I've never met a king who was exempt from death or crucifixion. So this word means something maybe more than we think it does. This is the term for Messiah. His soldiers are saying, if you're really the savior, save yourself. They're daring Jesus to come off the cross. And it says even above him in 38 was an inscription. And it says, this is the king of the Jews. Here's your king. I see the problem wasn't that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. The problem was he wasn't the Messiah. They were looking for these men who had this prophecy, who had seen these things. They were looking for something different than Jesus who would come and die on a cross. They were looking for a savior who would come and they would, the savior would kick out the Romans and he would set all the Jewish people free. 
that these Jewish people would, would be part of a new kingdom, that this Messiah was going to set up a kingdom of, of universal peace and prosperity that would last forever. And when they hung this sign over Jesus, this, this bleeding, dying person, they, they were saying, how is he going to be king? We've killed your king. How is he going to be the Messiah? How is he going to kick out the Romans? How is he going to do anything that you're looking for? Because here's the reality. Jesus on the cross was not going to do anything they were looking for. They're looking for a king. But Jesus came to be a sacrifice. It says in 39, the, one of the criminals hanging there, one of the other guys beside him, he began to yell insults at, at him. Now, this seems ridiculous, right? This guy's hanging on a cross beside Jesus about to die, and he's making fun of Jesus. Like, keep your energy for something else like breathing. This is kind of useless. But this criminal begins to insult him, and one of the things that he says is, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you supposed to be the savior? Save yourself and us. This thief in, I would say, desperation more than belief calls out to Jesus and he says, hey, you're supposed to be the Messiah. You're the one we've heard about. You're the one that's supposed to come and you're supposed to do all these things. If you're really him, why don't you come down off that cross? And while you're coming down off the cross, why don't you just get me too? Do you see in this verse that this man actually even asked Jesus to save him? And what we're about to see is that Jesus doesn't, in fact, save him. This man's gonna ask Jesus to save him and this Jesus is gonna not, in fact, save him. Now, that's a struggle, right? We grew up in church, most of us, probably. If not, we wouldn't be sitting out in the cold unless somebody just begged you tonight. Like, isn't that crazy that there, there's a man asking Jesus to save him? He's praying, hey, God save me. And he maybe kind of halfway believes what he really wants is to get down off the cross, but, but he's asking. And actually, Jesus is going to ignore this man. We're not even going to see an interaction take place. It doesn't even say that Jesus turns and he looks at this man. And see, that's an issue for a lot of us because we were told growing up in church, if you just say this prayer, Repeat after me, say the magic words, do the thing, then bam, you're saved. Bingo. And then we doubt it, and what, what do people around us do? No, I was there, you cried. Did you cry? Have you ever asked anybody that? Isn't that ridiculous? Oh, you said that, for, did you cry? I've asked people that. It's like that's the measurement of you come to know Jesus, right? Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a little tear. And if that's true, if you can just say the prayer, if you can just do the thing, if you can check the box, if you can come to church and go down front and do a little bit of crying, this man was in pain, he was probably crying on the cross. If that's all it takes, then there should have been something that happened here, but Jesus doesn't save this man. You're like, that's not what I come here to hear tonight, Brad. 
just boohoo the cross, Jesus saves, done, bingo, check the box, sing the song, let's go home. But man, maybe God's called us to something more tonight. Maybe there's something more to it than say the prayer and check the box and do the thing. See, the, the problem here isn't the man said the prayer wrong or he did the thing wrong or he, he even maybe came with the wrong attitude. The problem is the man was looking for the wrong savior. What this man wanted was not a Messiah who was gonna bleed and die. He, he wasn't looking for somebody who was gonna come and, and give his life on a cross. He was looking for a man to better his life in his situation. Come get me off this cross. Come make today a better day. Hey, come do this thing. I'll pray the prayer if you do what I want you to do. Like God is somehow some little Jesus genie because we come say a prayer he's entitled to or we are entitled to do some kind of thing. Like we, we can just command him because we did this thing to make all of our lives better and put money in our pockets and we never have to deal with anything anymore and there's never any hurt or pain or struggle. That's the savior that some of us have been looking for. And I just wanna say today, once and for all, that's not the savior Jesus came to be. He didn't come to improve your bank account. And he didn't come to, to make the day a better day, although some days are better days. And he didn't come to make all your world not fall apart. Actually, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. It's gonna be hard, it's gonna be tough. People are not gonna like you. People are gonna talk about you at the water cooler at work and it doesn't even mean you're persecuted. It just means that people are not gonna like you. And here's the truth today. I didn't come to save you from any of those things. Because the truth is, the thing that I came to save you from is greater than your bank account. There is a bigger issue in our lives today than our bank accounts maybe don't look so good. And there's a bigger issue in our lives today than our home lives maybe don't look so good. There's a bigger issue in our lives today than some people don't like us and they're gonna talk about us. There's a bigger issue in our lives today than yesterday was a really bad day or this morning was really a struggle. There's a bigger issue and the issue is we are without Jesus separated from God forever and heading towards an eternity of that. Bible calls that hell, it's hot, it's not fun. That is not the biggest issue of hell. Burning forever is actually not the biggest issue of hell. Did you know that? The biggest issue of hell is before that, we're gonna see God and we're gonna see what we missed out on because he just wasn't what we were looking for. And once we see him, we're gonna see that actually he is everything we needed. Because Jesus didn't come to be the savior we were looking for, he came to be the savior that we needed and he was rejected because of that over and over and over again. The guards rejected him, the people rejected him, the leaders rejected him, and there was even a thief on the cross that rejected him because he just wasn't what they thought he needed to be. 
And I want to say to us very clearly tonight, if the Savior that you're following is a Savior that you built, you probably are following the wrong guy. If the Jesus you know is a Jesus you made up with because that's okay with you, you're probably following the wrong guy because there's only one Jesus that came to save and we can make up all the rest if we want. But to accept a lesser Jesus is to reject the Son of God. And Jesus doesn't answer those prayers. I just want the bank account savior. I hope you find him. I just want the make every day a great day savior. I hope you find him. Because Jesus came to be the, you were separated from God and I came to die so you didn't have to be savior. And that's the one we need. So this guy looks at him and he says, hey, if you're the son of God, aren't you supposed to be the Messiah? If that's you, why don't you come down off that cross? And it'd be awesome if while you did that, you just get us off too. In 40, it says, but the other answered. He actually answered rebuking him, the other thief. And he says, don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, he he looks at this guy and he says, hey, do you not realize what's happening here? We're all hanging on this cross. Every person here is gonna die, is what that thief says to him. That's still true today. You've never met a person that's gonna escape death and you are not gonna be the first. Every person here is gonna die, just like this man says, and he looks at this other thief and he says, hey, don't you get what's happening? You're gonna die too. You're still hanging on a cross. And is there no part of you that is even a little worried that this really may be the guy? Do you, do, you, do you not fear God because you're gonna die in just a minute and, and maybe this is the son of God and you're making fun of this guy and you may have to go stand before his dad here in just a minute and explain that. Is there not even a little bitty part of you that thinks maybe, just maybe, you should not do that? It's an intelligent guy hanging on the other side of Jesus. He he continues in 41, he says, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve. He knows exactly who he is. He says, thief, I'm a thief. I'm a thief, you're a thief. We we deserve this. We we deserve to die. We, We deserve this cross. We deserve everything that's happening to us. Now that's a bold statement. Most people don't realize that when they're going through stuff. But he says, we deserve this. But he says, this man, he's done nothing wrong. You know it. We were the ones there. It, it should be Barabbas hanging on this middle cross. Like, it shouldn't be this guy. I'm a bad dude. You're a bad dude. He's not actually, in fact, a bad dude. You've seen him in the city. You've seen him in the marketplace. You've, you've heard what he does. You've, you've seen him live his life. He's, he's not 
somebody that should be hanging on this cross. And then he turns his attention away from that guy, trying to talk some sense into that guy, but not responsible for that guy. And in 42, he he looks at Jesus and he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I love that because it's so simple. That's all he says. He's suffocating under the situation. He maybe can't even get any more words after that, but he, he looks at Jesus and he, and he says to Jesus, just everything his heart can muster in these moments. He says, hey, remember me when you get there. Isn't that amazing? He's not like, oh Christ, thou art the highest savior. And I am a lowly man. Didn't get any of that out. He doesn't go down some exhaustive list of everything he's ever done, and he doesn't even argue with God. Hey, I'm a pretty bad guy. Are you sure you want to do this? All he does is he looks over at Jesus and he says, Hey, when you get there, remember me. And I love the response. Because that gets a response, right? Jesus says to this guy in 43, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't it amazing that Jesus doesn't like grill him in this moment? Jesus doesn't say, I don't know, man, you should have prayed a little harder. Is that all you could come up with? Like really remember me when you get to paradise? I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know that Jesus is super concerned with the words that we can muster up because we can't really impress the guy who made up all the words. We pray like we're trying to impress God to do something on our behalf and maybe what we really just need to do is just say what our heart says. So Jesus is not like, hey, I don't, I don't know. You didn't, you didn't pray very good. Maybe you should get some preacher to lead you through the thing. Turn to page 322 in your Bible. There's a sinner's prayer right there. He didn't say any of that. It's not there, by the way. You don't have to flip there. Jesus doesn't look at this guy and say, I don't know. You're a pretty bad guy. You're right. You do, you do deserve this. You, you do deserve the cross. He, he didn't say any of that. He didn't look at this guy and say, I don't know, can you run me down the list of the things that you've done? Can you just, I don't, I don't know how bad you are and I'm trying to check that off on the, if I can save you or not meter. He doesn't say any of that, does he? He just looks at this guy so simply and he's like, yeah, I could do that. I assure you, I tell you, I promise you, we're going there today.
it amazing that Jesus didn't look at this guy and say, I don't know, can you clean up your life? Can you get your act together? Can you, can you go away for a little while and maybe change clothes and change your vocabulary and change your habits and change your, change your lifestyle and you come back to me and I'll, I'll decide then? He didn't say any of that. As this guy is where this guy is, hanging on a cross, Jesus looks at this guy with as much love as he's got in his whole body, and he says, oh yeah, man, today we're going to paradise. You can come with me. I'm leaving this place, and I'm going back to the Father, and what I want you to know is today, you can come to the Father too. Because this man had found the savior that he was looking for. He wasn't looking at Jesus and trying to bargain and barter. Oh, I'll say a prayer if you get me down. Oh, I'll live for you if you do all the stuff that I want you to do. Oh yeah, I'll get my life together and I'll pray more and I'll talk more and I'll do all these things you want me to do if you just make sure you do everything I want you to do. He wasn't looking for that kind of savior. This man knew, man, I'm leaving this world. Can we be honest with ourselves today? Everybody's leaving this world. I just need an audible amen tonight from you. Everybody's leaving this world. And you may be here another 30 seconds or 30 years or 300 years if God blesses you that way. But you're leaving. And I just want to be honest with you, the today to tomorrow thing, that's not as important as where we're going when we leave here. I'm not saying God doesn't care about your home life. He does. Amen. And I'm not saying God doesn't care about your happiness. He does. And I'm not saying God doesn't even care about giving you some of your wants he does but man what if our wants were Jesus Jesus today came to this planet to live a perfect life because he knew you couldn't he knew you were going to screw it up. He knew I was going to screw it up. I'm actually great at screwing things up. Did you know that today? I'm probably better at it than any of you guys. And you're like, well, I don't know how you could say that and still be preaching. Well, I don't know, but half the Bible was written by a guy that said, I'm the chief among sinners. So I feel like I'm in pretty decent company today. He's not disturbed by the fact that you don't have it all together tonight. He's not even confused by the fact that maybe you're struggling tonight. Actually, he came for people just like you who don't have it all together and who are struggling and who are doing things that they maybe shouldn't be doing. He came for sinners. It actually says in the Bible, while we were yet sinners, Christ made the decision to die for us. He came and lived a perfect life because there's no way in the world you or I could do it. And then he came to be the savior, yes, but even more than that, the sacrifice. The Bible puts it this way, he made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So God's not asking you tonight to get your act together and for you to have it all figured out and you go change clothes and actions and attitude before you come to the cross. He's just looking for people tonight who will say, I'm looking for a savior like you. I'm a sinner and I've messed it up and I'm looking for somebody like you that can take me and reconnect me with something that really matters. Take my hand and place my hand into the hand of God. And if that's who you are, Jesus, that's what I want. So I don't wanna say to you tonight, if you're the person that's sitting there and you're like, I'm too bad, or I'm too far gone, or I'm too far out, or I've messed up, I've made mistakes, I've done all these different things, and you're going down the list. Jesus doesn't really have a big track record of asking all that. He's not looking for somebody who thinks they can be perfect. He's looking for somebody that realizes they're not. and they need somebody else to lift them up out of this pit they're living in. And tonight, you may not have like the best, most wordy prayer, and you may not have all the things you feel like you need to say, but in honesty tonight, if there are people that are gonna be willing to say, remember me, there's a Jesus who's willing to say, oh yeah, I can do that. So tonight, uh, we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna give you just a moment to, to talk to God. I realize there's a stadium full of church people sitting here and for most of us, we pray to prayer. And we know Jesus. Why else would we be sitting in the cold, right? But I also know that in a group this big, maybe there is somebody, maybe there's a lot of somebodies. But that's not true for it. Maybe there are people in this place tonight who, who do in fact need that savior. Maybe your prayer was to something else. You were looking for something else and now you see it. Or maybe you've just never asked God because you keep hearing that voice that says, you're not good enough. You're not gonna be good enough. You can't do this. And I just wanna say to you, that's not part of the equation tonight. God's not looking for people that are good enough. Thank God, because none of us would ever get there. He's just looking for people that'll cry out and say, remember me. So Father God tonight, if there's anybody in this place that doesn't know you, if there's anybody in this place tonight that has never said that to you, what an amazing night to do that. God, we know that you love us. We've been singing about it and talking about it. And maybe all of us in the place tonight don't feel loved, but the truth of it is the cross was the proof of your love. 
And your word says that God actually so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave Jesus. So that, listen to this, it's amazing. Whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't it amazing tonight that he didn't write, God so loved some people that he gave his one and only son that so whosoever could be good enough, pray a big enough prayer, find the right words, bargain with God, get to heaven. He didn't say that. God said, I love you. And I came for you. And not if you're willing to grab on that and proclaim that you're the one I'm looking for. I'll save you right here, right now. As you are where you are. That's you tonight. I just want to, it's going to be weird and that's fine. This whole thing's weird, right? If that's you tonight and you know, man, I just, I need Jesus. I need to give my life to him. I know that I've messed it up, that I'm a, I'm a sinner and I, and I need a savior. If that's you tonight, I just want to ask you to do something weird with me. And it takes a lot of faith. I just want to ask you just to stand in this place. Now there's the truth. There's no power in standing. Like the standing doesn't save you. But man, if you stand tonight, there's, there's a moment that takes place. We're putting a flag down and we're saying, man, we're never going to forget this. In front of all these people, I'm going to say, I want to put my faith in something greater than me. If that's you, I want to ask you to stand. I, I'm not doing that for me. I'm doing that for us tonight. And if there's somebody standing around you, maybe you just want to lay your hand on them or you want to hug them or you want to just maybe celebrate what God's doing. And we're going to do that in just a minute. But maybe we can pray together for just a moment. Father God, you're who I'm looking for. I know I've messed it up and I know I've I've not been good. But you're who I'm looking for. And Jesus, tonight I'm not much. But if you want me, I'm yours. So I'm asking Jesus tonight with all the faith I got, save me. I need you. I want you. And I love you because you love me. And God, tonight if you will have me, I'm yours. If you prayed that tonight, I just pray you don't leave this place without telling somebody. For some of us tonight, maybe we know Jesus, we're good, right? And if that's true tonight, we got something to celebrate. You know what's amazing to me is the cross, it never gets old. 
I never get tired of talking about the gospel because the, the word of God says I was dead, but Jesus made me alive. And my prayer for us tonight is as we leave this place, not only will we leave this place celebrating, but we'll leave this place alive in Jesus. If you need to pray tonight, I just wanna invite you to do that.